The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about rotoballer.com. Win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for an extra 10% off your with your discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com, use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A for 10% off the Premium Pass for the MLB season, and get started to rotoballing like a boss. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 488. Got a special friend rejoining me to talk a little fab recap from the week, to talk about some main event action, maybe some poker. I don't know. He's a busy man. He's doing all kinds of fun stuff. You can find his work at golf. (laughs) Yeah, we do it all. We can find him over at Rotowire. I'll let him plug his uh, his poker blog. And, of course, he's on Twitter at Ryan Roof. Ryan, how are we doing, my friend? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Bubba. Appreciate it. you know, not as handsome as Toby or as vocally gifted. Um, did a nice little Dido rendition last week, but going to do my best here. No, I appreciate it. It's always fun finding the fill-ins. I always give Toby a hard time. He lives the dream. He's just on vacation 24-7. It feels like at least that's what I tell him. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, he'll be back next week. But it's uh, it's good to have you on the show because we can talk some fab. Um, and we'll, we'll start things off before we get into baseball. I want you to plug your, your poker work because – um it's fun and this might sound cheesy to some but like i golf a lot i know you golf as well that's mm-hmm. kind of my vice to get away from everything go golf uh you had a passion for poker you even had a little a blog for it you know life gets in the way you kind of start doing some other things but you found yourself back at the table recently and you blogged about it so i want you to let everybody know where they can find that and uh, kind of what's your uh poker background or inspiration or whatever floats your boat here yeah well before i had kids uh, i was playing online poker like as a job um nice you know professionally quote unquote um then i had kids and was like i should probably get something a little bit more stable so um but i was pretty good at poker uh qualified for the world series of poker main event through uh, pokerroom.com back in 2005 i played a uh, poker cruise for a two hundred fifty thousand dollar uh poker sponsorship uh, back in 2006 uh bubble bat tournament all of that um can be found in my poker blog it's roofbert poker blogspot.com um yeah just started getting back into it and uh just following the world series of poker going on in las vegas right now daniel negranu is a is a poker pro who does uh daily world series of poker vlogs so i watch those and uh just you know reminds me of how much i love the game and you know it was a big part of my life for for a long time before um you know the 
the the law banned poker in the United States, online poker. So, um, so yeah, getting back into it and maybe it'll turn into something a little bit more serious. Um, you know, when I'm not playing fantasy baseball. That's fun. That's great. Cause, uh, Sammy Reed, I know he was talking with you on, on Twitter. I know Sammy very well. He basically, I don't know if he wants to say he's pro, he's at least semi-pro. He plays a ton, plays a lot, especially during like COVID when they reopened the, the, the card halls around here, he was playing a lot. Like that was kind of a job for him. So, uh, he, he's much, very much into it. He has a podcast as well. So there's yep, a ton, there's weep. A, his podcast is great. I've listened to it before. It's awesome. Sammy's a great dude. There's a ton of uh, former poker players that play either DFS or fantasy because there's a lot of strict strategy, similar strategy behind it, like game theory behind yep. a lot of it. So it makes a lot of sense when you delve into it. I used to play poker for fun. I'd like to play it more, maybe one of these days. Uh, it, it would be fun. Like You guys should clean up with me because I played at uh, <laughs> F-Paz this last year. There's always the poker nights, usually on Friday nights, sometimes both nights. And um, I think I made it out of a table of like 16 to like 13th place. So uh, it was fun, but it's also late at night. Drinks have been had, little different situations. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's always a good time and looking forward to seeing where that goes for you. Cool. Um, you also have another blog, but it's on Rotowire. And this is you uh, keeping us posted on your first main event, one that you won using game theory in a DFS type format to get your entry into, which is kind of funny because you got an entry into the um, the uh, World Series of Poker main event as well by winning like a qualifier in theory. So um, how is the main event going for you? This is your third installment of your uh, Rotowire article that people can read for free if you go to rotowire.com. And check out. It's fun to see because I'll let you have the floor here in a second. But for someone that plays the game like I do, um, it's it's fun to see different people's successes and struggles with it and talk about it. So, uh, how's it going for you? Man, it's 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 a roller coaster. I I did not realize how difficult the NFB, NFBC main event would be. I mean, just my league is so tough. Um, so basically, every six or seven weeks, I I update um, everyone on that three free article through RotoWire. Um, just recapping my stats and standings for each scoring period. I go into fab decisions and results, uh, lessons learned. So, uh, yeah, I just posted that piece uh, a couple of days ago. It's free. Um, and just really chronicling my journey through the main event. You know, hopefully it will inspire others to try to qualify or buy in uh, who haven't played it before. It's really, it's really, I'm learning so much. Um, you know, I've played fantasy baseball now for, for so long, but now I'm just like, deer in headlights in this contest man is it's no joke yeah no it's, it's a different animal like toby talks about it a lot and it's like rob uh dipietro you know quite well many many guys talk about it it's a whole different beast it's wild um it's a lot of money to get into unless you're like yourself you qualify like ryan did last week ryan bloomfield 50 bucks gets you a uh, 1750 dollar ticket basically i think that's what it's at now it probably goes up even more um, and it, it's crazy. 15 team leagues, overall competitions, uh, the waiver wires aren't deep. That's why I tell people like, I like the 12s cause I like to have fun and realize I can still add guys. Where it's, yeah. You can't really do, you can't really do that in a 15. So what are you finding? You said it's a roller coaster, which is true. What are you finding to be the most difficult part? Is it just the waiver wire period or what is it? That's been your hardest part getting through this. Yeah, it's really, that's part of it. Um, you know, my league is filled with heavy hitters. I have Vlad Sedler, Chris Liss, Larry Schechter, Zach Waxman's in my league. I mean, it's just it's just stacked. And uh, you know, going through Fab each week takes me a long time because you know there's thirty some pickups every week in this league. So you're if you're trying to pick up somebody or you need to have coverage at certain positions your lists need to be pretty deep. So um, I learned a pretty important lesson uh, from this past, uh, you know, six weeks of, of just fab. I, I uh, um, had an opportunity. Uh, it was the week when Michael Harris and John Birdie, Oscar Gonzalez were available. And um, I had Harold Ramirez and Jose Siri listed higher in my conditional bids above all those guys. And it's just like, I'm just looking back, like, man, just spend a little bit more time like on your deep conditional bid lists. Um, and, I've, and I've really just, I, I kind of dread that 10 p.m. Eastern uh, fab <laughs> because it's like, like especially when I really want somebody, because there's been a few weeks where I've just really wanted someone and just, you know, I've been like $10 short or something like that. And it's just like so frustrating. But so it's, it's a little bit humbling, but uh, 
Yeah, uh, it's Fab's uh, pretty tough. Um, you know, pitching for me has been pretty easy this year because it's I haven't really had to make a lot of uh, pitching moves. My my pitchers have remained relatively healthy, but on the hitting side, it's finding streamers, finding opportunities where teams have you know eight game weeks where I could you know pick up a few additional plate appearances for that week. Um, and I'm just trying to catch up in uh, uh, basically homers, RBI, and steals uh, is where I'm lacking. So, uh, but every well, other category, I'm pretty I'm tracking pretty close to the 80th percentile. Um, I am a little bit short on saves, but um, we'll see what happens in the second half and who's available. If, on, if only you knew here. a guy, if only you knew a guy that could get yeah, you a, yeah. a, a front line into some potential saves. I'm just saying. I'm relying on that knowledge, but again, like I go back to fat and it's, you know, yeah. these guys are all smart too. They're sharp. They're so. all sharp, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Like that's why I love doing this show every Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, just to go back and look at the names that were added because like I spend time on Fab. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I do a lot of work. And there's even some names I didn't even think about like putting out there for bids. So it's like you said, you gotta go deep. It's 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 wild and it's different from week to week, but like you're you're very competitive main event leagues. You you'll have a lot of moves, like you said, like 30 moves or so. Um, you know, the twelves like I'm in are just goofy. Like there's no rhyme or reason half the time. Sometimes there's a handful of bids, sometimes there's like barely any bids. Some guys go uncontested that were like two hundred dollars in another league. It's just it's it's the wild west over there in the twelve teamers, but uh, the 15s are different, that's for sure. So where do you stand right now as we head into the halfway point of the season? Yeah, so the, the, over the past six weeks, I, I had it up to second place in my league and 82nd overall because I, I finally had a breakout week hitting where I had, uh, you know, 14 homers, uh, almost 50 RBI, things like that. But um, kind of fell back. I really had a terrible uh, week hitting last week. Um led the lead or was tied for the week lead in at bats for the week but i only scored like 20 some runs uh only a few homers it, it was it was just bad so right now i'm sitting in fourth in my league 173rd overall and i have 197 dollars in fab remaining so you know we'll, we'll see where that goes hopefully that's enough to you know acquire some you know a few more players that can help but yeah. You will. Like one thing I've noticed, I know a lot of people talk about it. Uh, how is it in your league? Do you see, cause everyone's shorter on money. I guess just common sense this part of the season. Are you noticing also that like the bid amounts are getting less and less? Is that like, so I know it, it's what it should be, but is there still guys with heavy hitters out there in your league? Basically is what I'm saying. Um, I don't, I haven't been really tracking everyone else's at for, for a few weeks there. I was actually, I actually had the most fab. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I went heavy and uh, Pascatino because you know I need power and RBI. So, um, but yeah, I would say let's see. This past week, um, the highest bid was seventy nine dollars. Uh, okay. Mark Melanson was available. I was in the bidding on him, but uh, didn't get him. Chris Liss actually got him. Gotcha. Um, but second highest bid was forty one. So yeah, it's definitely starting to come down a little bit. I was in yeah. like the twenties, uh, mid teens for for the couple players I, I picked up, but. Um, yeah, it's starting to come down a little bit. Yeah, and that's I wanted to bring it up at least for the listeners because um, I know in twelves for sure it's it's I, I I'm getting guys for like ten bucks, seven bucks, thirteen bucks because it's going down quite a bit in some of these leagues. And twelves are definitely different than fifteens. Like Mark Melanson would never go for anything close to seventy nine dollars in a twelve team league, but in a fifteen that's like super valuable, like really really valuable. Even though it's Mark Melanson, so um, definitely some appeal there as well. Um, The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. 
what's your you don't have to give away everything in case you know someone's listening to the show but what's kind of your plan of attack what do you you, you said you need to get the three hitting categories that's your focus for now um what's your are you just going to keep clogging like trying to attack those extra at bats each week or do you have a, a game plan in play yeah, pretty much. Uh, I have the most pitching points in my league with 60, but I'm just lacking on the hitting side. Um, and I, like I said, I need to to attack saves in the second half, try to see who becomes available uh, at the trade deadline, see if I can forecast some uh, plug and play guys, but uh, roster space is pretty limited. Um, so uh, yeah, it's been kind of a, there, there's been a couple of weeks where I'm just like, man, I don't really want to drop this guy. Um, Robbie Grossman was one where I was like, man, you know, Robbie Grossman, I want, you know, yeah, that 2020 season last year, I finally dropped him last week. Cause I was just like, he's hasn't done anything. So, yeah. um, but it's, you know, guys like that, where I'm just like kind of holding on for too long. Uh, so I'm gonna have to figure out who, who from my roster I can drop, uh, you know, in the next couple of weeks, cause it's a pretty critical period coming up. And that, that's the hardest thing. I've said it time and time again because I dropped Robbie. I've dropped a few, I dropped Marcus Stroman a couple weeks ago. That might backfire. But again, I'm a 12. And so that guy has always clarified that to, to the listeners it's different in the 15. You never would drop Marcus Stroman. But um, it's just, it, it's hard trying to figure out, especially in the 15 where the replacement value is so empty uh, on what you're going to put together there. Unless you're going and, oh, Pat, Vinny Pascatino's coming up. Let's go drop so and so. Okay, that's different because I know I'm going to play Vinny pretty much every time he's out there. That makes a lot of sense. Um, before we get into the week 15 fab recap, you did mention Vinny Pascantino, and we talked about him on last week's show. And I, I know Rob DiPietro, big, big Italian breakfast fan. Um, what is it you're hoping to get out of him besides just like a million home runs? Are you are you expecting him to hit 20 home runs? What were your expectations going into uh, adding and spending all that fab money on Vinny? Um, you know, hoping for double digit home runs. I think, uh, when I was listening to you and Toby last week, uh, he's projected for like 10 homers or so rest of the season. Um, hoping for a little bit more than that, but, you know, hitting fourth, third in the KC lineup, you know, a lot of RBI opportunities there. So I'm just hoping for, for something. Um, and he feels like the, the guy who can make the most impact there. Um, and who knows if somebody else will, will come up and have that type of impact. So um, I went $301 on him. It was the fifth highest uh, uh, bid in the main event last week. Um, I think the highest was like 373. So um, yeah, I was right up there because I wanted to make sure I got him. Cool. No, that's the way you got to go get your guy. And he was a game. He is potentially a game changer. Like you said, the biggest thing is there aren't a ton of other prospects that look like they're going to get called up that are going to make that kind of impact that he can make. But to kick off our Week 15 fab, we do have one that just came up here recently, and that is Nolan Jones of the Cleveland Guardians. He did go 0 for 3 in game one of the doubleheader on Tuesday to snap his four-game hit streak since he got called up. But he, like I said, he hit safely in all four of his first games, multiple hits in three games, three extra base hits. He's walking a ton. Uh, it looks like the real deal for now. Uh, what's your thoughts on Nolan Jones? Because I was nowhere close to getting him in my leagues. Uh, people were very excited about him, and so far, for good reason. Yeah, fourteen uh, percent walk rate throughout his minors career, so he's always been able to to, to get on base. Uh, it's just in the contact rate; it's been pretty low, uh, below seventy percent in the minors. Um, you know, and he was a he was a top seventy five prospect for several years. Seems like he was Cleveland's top prospect for a long time, and then earlier this year he fell um, to like the mid two fifties um, in James Anderson's top four hundred prospect list uh, for RotoWire. Um, you know, and it's because, you know, the first few years in the upper minors weren't great. Uh, but, you know, seems like something clicked for Jones uh, this year. He was hitting well for AAA Columbus. Now it seems like he'll pretty much be the starter in right field for the Guardians. Um, you know, in a full season, I would think he could probably hit about 20 home runs with a couple steals, but wouldn't really expect too much on the base math, base paths. Um and Bernie Pleskoff, who's a columnist for RotoWire, he follows the Guardians closely. He he actually had a recent thread on Jones. Uh, saw him in the Arizona Fall League. Didn't really like what he saw, but um, you know, appears to be coming around on him and could be a decent fantasy asset moving forward. Yeah, it's always the the popular term prospect growth is not linear. So maybe it just took right. something to click, like you said, to make it work. And it could just be a hot a hot stretch. We've seen so many guys come up and hit for like a week. 
but then all of a sudden the scouts see, oh, he can't hit a slider low and in. Let's see what he can do. And we're just going to throw it over and over again until he can hit it. And that's where it gets fun. So it's all about making adjustments and see where Jones can go. But Cleveland, in theory, has no reason not to play him for a while. So we'll see how that goes and, and see what they got out of him. So it'd be fun to see. But he was adding 122 12-team NFBC online leagues, as high as 128 as low as $1. I love the $1 everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but as high as 128 So I think a lot of the things I saw, like when I saw like Jenstead and some other guys, are strikers, sorry. Um, and other guys talking on Twitter, I saw a lot of like between 40 and 80s. It felt like people were discussing. So it's kind of in that range. And that's for 15s and 12s. So a lot of 40 to $80 bids. It felt like for Jones, which again could be a sign of the time of the season where people don't have the, the all the money to just break the bank and you can see where things can go. Yep. Yeah. And I think about like, you know, high pedigree prospects like, you know, Michael Harris was, you know, talked about. And, and I'm looking like, back at my you know week eight fab bidding like well damn i missed out on them and now i'm kind of thinking about that for jones like you know no he wasn't like a highly touted prospect coming into the year but you know did i did i just miss out on someone who could potentially give me double digit home runs the rest of the way um so yeah it's it's interesting these prospects are, are tough they can either you know make or break your season yeah, and I'm usually very timid on prospects. I didn't like. I thought Harris would just be up for like a couple of weeks. I wasn't even aggressive on him at all. That one hurts because I've written him about like a riser or a faller like so many times of lakes. Dude, just every week produces between power and speed, and he still gets ninth and puts up great numbers, which is annoying. Um, I got a, I got some Pascantino and Derek Hall in, in last week, so I got that. But it's like like you said, was Jones maybe better than a Derek Hall pick? We'll see. Derek Hall had a big week, but we'll we'll see how that goes. So uh, prospects are very, very tricky. We've seen them go hot and cold very quickly. So right. it's always something to kind of hold your breath, enjoy it while you can, and probably be ready to pull the pin quickly if you need to. The Texas Rangers might have a new closer in town. It's a good thing we have a uh, relief pitching expert to talk here. Brett Martin of the Texas Rangers was uh, added in 107 leagues, as high as 61 dollars he picked up three saves in his last three outings been very effective he's just been really good out of the bullpen he has not allowed a run since an appearance on may 29th which has been pretty darn impressive uh what's your thoughts on this brett martin uh addition is it a, is it his to, to keep or is barlow going to get it back well it's not like barlow has been terrible this season uh he blew a couple saves in a row he's blown four on the season and 17 chances so i think it's just you know let's let's pull him out of high leverage for now. Let's go to a committee. Or at least that's what Chris Woodward said. Um, you know, he listed uh, Martin and Matt Moore and Dennis Santana as possible closing options. But but yeah, it's been Martin who's been the lead guy thus far. Santana has been a setup man in the eighth inning. Um, like you said, he hasn't given up a run in a while. Um, but other than that, I mean, other he hasn't really been super impressive. He has a career 23% strikeout rate, walk rate near 9%. Um, 24 to 10 K to walk in 28 innings this year. But, um, you know, on the plus side, high ground ball rate over 50%, only one home run allowed. So, um, you know, it's a sensible option to, uh, to give a shot in the ninth inning. Um, you know, first save he's, he's coming on against like the top of the order. Um, Minnesota was against three, four, five hitters for the first save. Um, next one, Minnesota's one, two, three hitters. And the third was Oakland's two, three, four hitters. So, um, so yeah, it seems like uh, they'll probably keep him in that role for now that he's been doing well. And like you said, he hasn't given up a run in a while. So um, see how far he can take it. But, but you know, I did drop Barlow in one of my 12s. But, um, you know, I've, I look at him like I look at Corey Knebel in Philadelphia I think eventually he'll he'll come back to the the ninth inning fold and, and be part of the saves mix, if not the the primary closer. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. How aggressive would you be on Martin if he's available in in your for, in, in any one of your formats right now? If he's out there, even though you you do think eventually they'll kind of move things around and whatnot, um, just for the time being, say he gets two more weeks as the closer, like how valuable is that to you right now? Um, I wouldn't be spending too much on Martin because uh, I don't know. It's 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 a weird Texas is in kind of a weird spot, right? They're three and a half games out of the AL card, uh, four games under five hundred, so they're they're kind of competitive. But the next couple of weeks are really gonna gonna say a lot of what they do, you know, at the trade deadline. Like 
are they go for it? Are they going to acquire some talent? Are they going to um, sell off pieces if they have a losing week this week and the next week? You know what I mean? So um, there's so much, there's so many questions over the next week that, that it's hard to say like, you know, Martin's going to have that role for a long time. Cause like I said, Barlow wasn't, hasn't been awful this season. He has a whip under one. So, um, so yeah, so I, I wouldn't be like breaking the bank if you need saves, but you know, he's worth, you know, a semi reasonable bid. Um, like I'd probably if bucks fab, I would probably be bidding in like the 10, 15 range if I, you know, needed saves. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, the next up on the list here is Reed Detmers added in 102 leagues as high as 132. He was a big, big winner this week. Uh, came back from the minor leagues, six innings, two hits, no runs, one walk, seven Ks. The slider, which he started showcasing with improvements in the minors, looked great against Baltimore. Strikeouts, like even before he got sent down, his previous two starts, we got sent down. Strikeouts were there. Just giving up a ton of long balls. Walks were an issue for Reed. Maybe this improved sliders the ticket. A lot of people were getting back in on Reed Detmers this week. What are your thoughts on what we saw from that start? And how optimistic are you that this continues on, that he's worth adding in a bunch of leagues? Yeah, I actually had Detmers. I drafted Detmers in the main event and held on to him for a long time, but I never I never started him. Um, and I actually dropped him right before he, he got sent down. Um, but he had that no-hitter versus the Rays earlier this season, but he wasn't going over five innings pitched often. Um, so it's like, you know, he's, he's not getting chances at wins. Like, you know, his whip's pretty good, but you know, he's given up some runs. So, um, I don't know. He, you know, once he got sent down, he dominated that one start in the minors, 14 Ks over six innings. And then he was impressive in that first start back in the majors against Baltimore, uh, throwing six scoreless with seven strikeouts. But, uh, you mentioned the slider, like that was his primary pitch in that game against Baltimore. It was up almost three miles per hour. Um, and he had been throwing a slider about 19% of the time, but he threw it 40% of the time against in that game against the Orioles. It'll be interesting to see if he made a uh, pitch mix change forward. Um, and, you know, certainly worth a speculation. But again, you know, Angels are like to go six man uh, rotation. You know, how often is he going to go over six innings? Um, you know, it's just a lot of question marks. So, so th- there's upside, but it's like, I'm kind of like tepid with it too. There's, there's some drawbacks as well. Yeah, I'm with you. I think out of like my eight or so fab leagues, I think I have him in, I got, I picked him up in one league and he was like my fourth or fifth option. He wasn't right. one of my top targets because one of the two of the big things, the innings is always a concern with me with Detmers, like you said. It's, and that's how it is with a bunch of other pitchers. If I'm looking to accumulate stats, I, I need those innings and that, that makes it tricky. More importantly, worse than the innings. Uh, is that six-man rotation? Uh, that that's just a big stinger because it's going to again also limit his overall upside. And when we're talking about getting two start starters here and there, well, it's almost impossible. Like he'll get one occasionally, potentially, but it's not going to happen very often in, in a rotation like that. So we'll have to kind of wait and see how it plays out. Injuries could happen, which could change things. But um, I, I'm I'm a little optimistic in what we saw from him, but it was one start. So let's see what he can put together some more. Cause even that no hitter was not dominant by any means. He had like what, two, three strikeouts or something. So uh, he was very efficient in that start. So let's see how things go moving forward. hundred percent with you on that one. Aaron Hicks added in 92 leagues as high as $52. I like Aaron Hicks a lot. I don't think I like him for $52, but I like him a lot. Um, he had a big week last week, three home runs, drove in a ton of runs, stealing bases. Now has six homers and nine steals on the year. Average is still something to be desired, but a lot of that was due to his early struggles this season. Hitting in a very good Yankees lineup does not stink either. So I've always been an Aaron Hicks truther. I get it. He's very streaky. and can be very frustrating. So this is a guy to roll with when he's hot, drop him when he's not. Probably better for 15s and 12s. But what's your thoughts on Aaron Hicks? That was your that was your boy in draft season. I, I have like. a I ton like of DC shares. Like every draft. Yep. <laughs> I have a ton of NFC and DC shares. So I've been rostering him in a lot of places right now. Yeah, now's the time to start him. Uh, yeah, because uh, hitting three eighty by three homers, has two steals this month, uh, more walks and strikeouts this month. So um, he's actually better for OBP formats because um, he is, you know, he does have, have that ability to draw a walk, but. Like you said, Yankees lineup hitting sixth or seventh for the Yankees. 
Uh, looks like he's going to set a career high in stolen bases this season. Already has nine. Um, isn't giving us too much pop. Um, you know, he hit those 27 homers back in 2018, but otherwise hasn't hit more than 15 this season. So too much pop. But um, yeah, uh, like you said, ride the hot streak while you can. And then as soon as he starts getting cold, time to drop him. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy when you're you're doing fab bids throughout the week. I know it makes sense because there's more options in baseball at the position, but the outfield position, at least in recent weeks, has been rather deep. Like you can make a handful of options, your Hickses, your Tyrone Taylors, uh, even Jack Sawinski's. There's a bunch of like guys that you can throw out there to try to ride hot hands. Even Matt Carpenter has outfield eligibility if you want to get frisky with it. So there's a lot of interesting uh, scenarios out there. Ride them, drop them, ride them, drop them. And that leads us to another guy here, Eddie Rosario. Added in 82 leagues, as high as 63, as low as a dollar. Uh, he returned from the IL, recently had an eye injury. And since he returned on July 4th, he's been pretty productive, playing nearly every day with Adam Duvall on the paternity, on paternity leave. But only hitting 192. But he's got hits in four games, got a home run, probably knocking the rust off would be my guess. But uh, we've seen this from Eddie R. before. Are you investing in Eddie Rosario, or do you want to see more first before you get excited? No, excuse me. I'd like to see how the playing time shakes out uh, in the outfield there in Atlanta, because you assume like Acuna and, and Michael Harris will be playing most days in right and center. And then, you know, is is Rosario going to be in a platoon with the ball left um, with Rosario getting most of the starts versus right handers? Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, that's going to be a tough. The funny thing is he has actually a higher career average versus lefties than he does righties. Um, but he only has a 699 OPS versus uh, lefties versus 800 OPS versus righties. So um, fortunately for Rosario, AL East is a good division for right-handed starting pitchers. Mets, Phillies, Nationals, all have four righty starting rotation. Um, Marlins only with Alcantara and Lopez, uh, at least currently. Um, So... You know, something to think about if, you know, the Braves are going to be playing the Marlins anytime, you know, Rosario might see the bench a little bit more against them. But, um, you know, in that division, a lot of righties, I would say he probably gets majority of the time over Duvall. And who knows what they do at the trade deadline because, you know, now they're right there with the Mets, AL East. So, you know, maybe they deal from their surplus in the outfield. You know, maybe they don't. They just dealt Drew Waters to the Royals. Uh, I know he was a big uh, prospect for for them kind of you know i don't know i'm not super i wasn't super interested in rosari who was pretty far down on my uh, conditional bid list yeah i didn't have a ton of interest in him uh biggest thing for me is playing time like you said it's crazy to think harris has a locked in role but he's earned it so he's got that you got acuna azuna is going to play dh most of the time but he could still play the outfield um this is why i was concerned with the duvals of the world in the draft season was because of the playing time but it'll be interesting because I don't know if they will trade from their embarrassment of riches because this was last year when they traded for Rosario Duvall and um, Jorge Soler all yeah. in the same. And we're all sitting there going, what in the world? And it worked. They needed all those guys. They all had humongous roles to, to, to win a World Series. So yeah. who knows? Like it, for fantasy worlds, yes, please trade one of these players. In real life baseball, they probably won't. That's the crazy part. But yeah. uh and that's what makes it harder to add Rosario, as you mentioned. So I guess keep an eye on it, see what happens. Duvall can slump with the best of them. And like you said, with with more and more managers and at least front offices getting wise to advanced stats and just looking at splits and stuff, Rosario, like you said, is always hit lefties better, always. So maybe there's something to that as well. I'll have to kind of wait and see if they kind of make that adjustment or not. Yeah, fourth or fifth outfielder. I mean, like you said, he's, he has a pretty low batting average now, but we know he's better than that. Like, you know, and hopefully now he can see the ball when he's yeah, at the plate. Exactly. So. He's got power and he's got speed, so he can help you. Like, he's a lot like Aaron Hicks, honestly. Just see which one's healthy and roll with it and go that direction. Um, next up on the docket here, we got Eric Haas added in 71 leagues, as high as $28, catcher for the Detroit Tigers. Also has outfield eligibility. If you're feeling it, but he's catching a lot these days with uh, Tucker Barnard doing nothing at the plate. And he's hitting 243 with seven homers. We saw Haas hit 22 home runs last year when he had the chance to play. So it's like the, the catcher's position has given us potential guys to add almost all season long, which has been fun. Uh, and Haas is a good one. I rostered him a ton last year. 
Don't have any shares right now, but I have no problem if people want to roster. I think he's a very, very valuable, potentially valuable offensive catcher. What's your thoughts on Haas? Yeah, it's a good week to pick him up. Tigers had, you know, an eight-game week. Um, typically starts against uh, left-handed pitchers. Um, should see pretty much every start against lefties. But um, recently starting to see a little bit more starts against righties too. Like you said, Tucker Barnhart, the, Barnhart has done absolutely nothing offensively, like literally, like nothing. <laughs> so uh, um, if you look at last year, Haas uh, was really hot in June and July. Um, he had 16 homers between those two months before he cooled off in August and September. So this might be the just time of year he heats up. Um, he's at, he's hitting 391 in July with a couple homers this year. Or, so, um, you know, maybe not a, you know, end of rest of the season uh, catcher two, but, you know, while certainly probably a better option than, you know, the Nomar Narvaez's of the world and people who just kind of give you a little bit offensively, but are kind of lacking in the power run production category. So, um, should be in the lineup tonight. Uh, uh, Detroit plays, uh, Daniel Lynch. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, yeah. um, I like Haas as a catcher too, Wish I would have uh, looked into him more prior to five last week. Cause I would have picked him up. I'm with you too. I didn't think he was playing this much either. And I, I this is one of those misses when you have little ones running around that, uh, you, you don't catch everything. And Eric Haas is, I wasn't focused on the catcher's position as much as I probably should have been. Uh, but yeah, that was a big one. It was all. I actually did have a couple bids in, but he, I usually just put like four catchers for a dollar and see who I get. And he went for like four dollars in my league, so I lost yeah. out. Maybe should have been more aggressive on him. But in that league, I want to ask you this: I dropped Christian Betancourt again, twelve teamer, different. But he got traded to Tampa Bay, which we all know how that story usually ends. It's uh, platoon time for Christian, who the hard hit metrics are insane, but the overall production's kind of been lacking. So some may say unlucky, some may say who knows. So what's your thoughts um, on a guy that a lot of us were adding for a while there, and now he gets traded to Tampa Bay and Betancourt. Are you cutting ties with him as well? Um, Betancourt? Yes. Am I cutting ties? Um, no, I would hold on. I actually have Bet- Betancourt rostered on, I think, a couple OCs. Um, he's hitting third for the Rays today. So, I mean, if he sticks in the middle of that lineup, I really like that. Um, That's a plus. You know, especially with, you know, Wander Franco being out, uh, Zunino's out, um, Francisco Mejia's out. So, playing time should be there. Um, I, I think I'd prefer Bethancourt over Haas. Um, oh, yeah. Here but, we go. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, pretty, it's probably pretty close, yep. to be honest. I mean, rest of the season, they'll probably give us pretty similar stats. But uh, context is a little better for, for Bethancourt right now. Uh, especially if he if he hits in the middle of the Rays lineup. I like it. Uh, let's stick in that Rays lineup. You mentioned this name earlier, Harold Ramirez. When you drafted him, he was playing for Cleveland. He has been traded to Tampa Bay. And one thing with Harold, even last year when he was in Cleveland before he got hurt, contact skills are usually always very good. Hits the ball very hard. Just doesn't hit for a lot of power. Thus, the same thing we're seeing in Tampa Bay. Since June 1st, he's hitting 396. With two home runs, two stolen bases. He also got caught twice, so he's tried four steals, which is, to me, kind of a plus. 151 ISO, 188 WRC plus since June 1st. Dude's been mashing, absolutely mashing, and he's hitting in the middle of that raise order, second, third, fourth, pretty much every single game, and he's not platooning, which I wrote in an article recently. I said that's the biggest thing is not only is he hitting every day, He's not platooning, which is a big plus in Tampa Bay, which I like going into the season, Ryan, it was like Wander Franco and who was like, we were, you were trying to like do math on who wouldn't platoon on this team. Harold Ramirez obviously wasn't on the team, but wouldn't have been towards the top of my list. So um, what are you doing with Harold? Like he was a popular ad this week. I should actually say the actual information here. He was added in 67 leagues for as high as $41. So what's your thoughts on Mr. Ramirez? Yeah, I mean, like you said, he's he's crushing it over the past, you know, month and a half. I mean, he's playing it. Big thing now is he's playing every day. Um, hitting 330, he's hitting both lefties and righties really well. Uh, you mentioned the high contact rate, 85%, barely strikes out. Um, you know, BABIP is a little high, 371. So, you know, average might come down a bit. But if he's sitting second in the raise lineup, I mean, that's a, you know, great spot to be. Um, so... You know, when it comes to RBIs, you know, like you said, no power, but, you know, run production, runs should be he's playing every day and hit the top of the raise lineup. 
Yeah, most definitely. He was like pretty much a 15 uh, team only guy for a while. He's definitely 12 team viable now. So keep that on your radar and see what you can uh, put together for sure. All right, let's talk about him. The guy I said earlier, I dropped in a handful of leagues recently. He's back. That is one Marcus Stroman, and I am always been team Marcus Stroman. I'm a huge Marcus Stroman fan. I'm terrified from what I've seen this year, and in a 12-team league, I couldn't have the dead roster spot. So I dropped him. He made his return on July 9th, uh, three days ago. Four innings, two hits, no earned, one walk, three Ks. Even his rehab starts were a little sketchy, though. Got hit around a little bit. So it's it's just been a rough go for Stroman this season uh, before he even got injured. What are your thoughts on Stro, who was added in 58 leagues as high as $55? Um, it's a good question because, uh, I mean, as, as just a baseball player, I just love watching him pitch. Yeah, know, he's the man. Passion, you he's know, awesome. cer- certainly a gamer. Um but um, might not be an asset and wins, but, uh, you know, if you look at his stats in May before he got hurt, um, he did spend some time on the COVID list earlier this month, this year too, uh, before he missed time with shoulder inflammation. But uh, he had a 1-5, excuse me, one five zero ERA and 079 whip across 24 innings in May. So, I mean, somebody could give you ratio help. Um, but again, like, is he going to be on the Cubs? Are they going to sell pieces? Um, he's not signed long-term in Chicago. So I wonder if he becomes a trade candidate. I mean, I saw someone on Twitter suggest, um, you know, Stroman back to the Jays. That'd be a great spot to be. They could use him big time. Um, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I like Stroman too. Like he's, you know, he won't, he's not like the super big, uh, strikeout asset, but, really could help you improve your ratios, um, you know, as long as he's, you know, obviously he's going to be building back up. You know, he only pitch maxed out of 59 pitches in his first start back. So uh, look for him to go a little bit longer in games. Um, and then see what the Cubs do with it. See if he sticks with it or gets traded. He would be a good trade chip, like you said. It's a good point. He, he could definitely bring back a return for the Cubs. Um, yeah, it just hurt. He's one of those we talk about it all the time. Is there's certain guys you just have like biases of because you like him so much? Like, I got him as a value last year, he was awesome. Drafted him in spots this year, it's like I can't drop him, I can't drop him. How good he can be, then you just drop him. Now he comes back, and he's probably gonna make me pay for it. So, it'll be a lot of fun. But those, those are the breaks on the game we play. You yeah, I'm just yeah. actually just looking at his contract now uh, 25 million for next year, and then a 21 million player option 2024. So, he'll he will be pretty see uh if he does get moved so uh keep that in mind toronto boston uh even the yankees are always in play dodgers are needing some pitching right now yeah Uh, dodgers yeah especially stro would love la for his clothing brand and everything oh like (laughs) there's some options to be played here folks so this could get real dicey real good what would make it even better to stab me in the heart is him going to the dodgers and doing that (laughs) would just be the ultimate like yep okay thank you Right. All right. You mentioned Corey Kniebel earlier, and I like that you mentioned him and that you're kind of seeing what I'm seeing. Obviously, you pay way more attention to the relievers here. He's added in 57 leagues, as high as 51 bucks. He has made two, four, six, eight straight appearances without allowing a run. Picked up a save in his most recent appearance. Um, I play in the Tout Wars that has saves and holds, and I added him about three weeks ago when I started seeing some little improvements here. Going, okay, he's at least pitching high leverage. He can get me holds with potentially going back to the closers role. And see what we can do here. He's looked much better. So, what have you seen that you already mentioned? You kind of you put um, when we when we talked earlier about the Texas situation with Barlow. You mentioned Kniebel in that statement that you could see him getting back into the role. So, what what are you seeing that obviously others saw when they added him this week? Yeah, I mean, it's just you know when they removed him from the closer role, they they kind of said for now, you know, when they when they did that, and you know he has been much better since since uh, demoted to kind of lower leverage. Um, 180 ERA, 090 whip over 10 innings. But um, big thing with him right now is walks are still a bit of an issue, uh, even though he hasn't been giving up as many runs. He's got a career worst 14 and a half percent walk rate. So, um, so that's the kind of only piece I'm worried about. Um, you did mention he loved the Phillies' most recent save on Saturday, but. It's important to note that Sir Anthony Dominguez's red hand wore that day after working two straight days prior to that game. So um, I still think it's Philadelphia as a committee 
unless Knable gets the next save chance when both Dominguez and Hand are available. And if so, then he's probably the guy again. Um, regardless, I do still think he's in the mix for saves. It's just how, uh, you know, does he eventually claim role for himself uh, eventually? And I think, I think, you know, he's a veteran. I think he's, you know, certainly capable of doing so. But again, you know, the trade deadline's coming up. Uh, Philadelphia bullpen has been a mess for years. Um, you know, it's finally getting a little bit better this year. Um, but, you know, who knows what the Phillies are going to do. They're right in the thick of the NL wild card. So, you know, maybe they add someone that's a little bit more reliable in the back end and they kind of use Gnable kind of as a setup guy. Um, so, like, I'm like half optimistic that he gets the roll back, but like the trade deadline kind of gives me some like worry. Um, so yeah. it's a little, yeah, Knable's interesting. I did have him in my uh, conditional list this weekend. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't get him, but, uh, um, I do think it's worth spending a couple bucks if, to find out, like if he gets the job back again, I mean, I think, you know, a $6 bid, you know, won't hurt. And if he's not getting saves over the next couple of weeks, you can just drop him again. Yeah. hundred percent so. agree. And that's one thing like I, uh, or Toby and I even talk about when we, basically talk about closers that get added each week because some go for crazy amounts of money, some don't, and it gets wild. But it's like I'd rather not break the bank on a speculative closer. I'd rather go speculate a couple bucks on Knievel or like if Barlow got dropped or something like that. A guy, I'd rather speculate on a guy that's done it and might get his job back than exactly. the potential like seventh inning guy that's, oh, there's rumors he might find his way to the ninth type situation. So I think that's a great point you made. It's like, go put a couple bucks, like go put four or five bucks on Corey and see what happens instead of going and spending like 75 bucks hoping Barlow doesn't get his job back. <laughs> and exactly. It, it yep. just changes things in a big way. So something yeah, to think about. Yeah, if you about. have the roster space, it makes sense to do something like that. And if you need saves, like speculate for cheap, you know, and mm -hmm. continue to, you know, use that roster spot, you know, turn and burn. Um, see, you know, who, who sticks it I, I completely agree. Um, I'm going to jump around to some different players on the list here to, uh, to to get your opinions on them, and I want to stick with bullpen situations. So I'm going to go to Atlanta, and I believe Kenley Jansen is supposed to be back on Tuesday, like after we record. He should be coming back. But A.J. Minter was added in 51 leagues for as high as $52. Uh, I know um, the, the, the bullpen's kind of been a back-and-forth thing. Minter's been awesome all season, and he's picked up three saves since helping fill in for, uh, for Kenley. So people were still looking to add him for saves. How do you see this bullpen in Atlanta playing out? Because I'd imagine it's Kenley's when he comes back, but are they going to kind of be careful with him? I don't know what you've heard or what you're speculating on. Um, well, David O'Brien, uh, beat writer for the Braves, just posted nine minutes ago, Kenley is going to be activated tomorrow. Uh going to be activated tomorrow. So, um, so yeah, I think this. I think the Minter pickup is just kind of a little ill-timed. You know, there's probably people – you know, thinking, you know, maybe Kenley's absence extends a little bit longer than anticipated, but um, I think the job is Kenley's when he gets, when he gets back. Um, he's pitched really well this year. Um, he's dealt with this before. He knows how to manage it by now. So um, you know, is he going to be throwing in a row? Probably not. So, you know, look for Will Smith and Minter to kind of mix in when, when they, when he needs a break, but um in a 12-team league, uh, NFBC Online Championship, I'm not sure I'd be rostering Minter, you know, just with Jansen coming back. That's kind of how I've discussed it the last couple of weeks when Jansen got hurt. I'm like, sadly, it's scary. It's the heart. Yes, don't get me wrong, but he's had this before. He knows how to deal with it. Even the report said this shouldn't be a long-term thing. So, again, wasn't going to break the bank on this potential situation for, you know, you, you got three saves. If three saves is worth it, then okay. But, yeah, like the people that this past week that bid on him, Hope he gets a save for you on Tuesday night. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Hope he yeah. gets that save and makes it worth it. And that's uh, not to undermine like how great Minter has been. He's been like fantastic, he's been amazing. especially yeah. in leagues that count holds. Like he's among the league's hold leaders. So you play in a league like that, he's certainly worth rostering. But, um, you know, in the NFBC online championship, uh, you know, you could probably drop him. Yep. 100% agree. Uh, Jonathan Scope is a player I was heavily invested in going into the season probably dropped in about half of my leagues, not all of them, thank God, because he's finally figured it out, it appears, at the plate. He's riding a nine-game hitting streak into Tuesday where he's got no home runs, though, but he has four stolen bases over that stretch, hitting nearly 400, 
and uh, not striking out a lot. So there's there's positives coming out of this. The power would be great, but he's running. He's hitting for average. The plate discipline looks good. What's your thoughts on scope? Is, does this just look like a hot streak to you, or are you like me and you're going to be optimistic and hope he's breaking out? <laughs> no, I mean, if you look at his underlying metrics, I mean, it's basically say he's been the same hitter as previous seasons. I mean, ground ball percentage, line drive, fly ball, all in line with recent seasons. Um, the biggest thing is his home run per fly ball is down from 13.5 to 7.5%. Um, BABIP is really low, 249. Um, his expected batting average is 256. So, I mean, probably been a little bit unlucky there. Um, 42% hard hit rates, best of his career. So, I mean, I mean, really, th- th- this kind of seems like an, like an anomaly with scope. Um, I really think he's, he would be a value valuable contributor rest of the season. Um, you know, we look at the Tigers are kind of out of the race right now. I wonder if they, uh, they decide to trade him, um, if they can trade him, uh, because, you know, he's got a half million player option for next season that he's likely to opt into before he becomes a free agent in 2024. Um, I really think he'd be a good fit for the White Sox. I mean, they've been rolling out Lurie Garcia, Josh Harrison at the Keystone. I mean, he'd be a huge upgrade over those guys in my opinion but you know will the tigers deal within the division yeah it's a tough one you know will they will scope even establish enough trade value before you know the deadline to to even be traded does he even want to be traded um but uh yeah i'm not worried about scope actually i have him on several leagues um basically just you know waiting for for those numbers to kind of turn around yep yep you're a smart man that's uh I think even Toby tweeted it out the other day, like what stands out to you to be different or something. And there's a lot of the stats you mentioned. It's like, he's actually performing better on almost every metric that he ever has. And that's one reason why I touted him in the off season. I'm like, the dude hits 20 plus home runs every year, steals you a handful of bags, drives in like 70 to 80 runs and hits for a decent average every year for like nine straight years or whatever it is. It's, it's just what he does. He's boring, but productive. We might get a good second half out of him. That's for darn sure. So yep. something to monitor as well. Uh, Josh Winder was added in 56 leagues, as high as $34. Got two steps this week, Milwaukee on Tuesday, White Sox on Sunday. I was not as excited as some. I know like Vlad Sedler and others were all in. It's it's maybe a flaw of mine. I just say it all the time. He just doesn't strike guys out, so he just doesn't do it for me. But uh, were you in on Josh Winder? Because I've been wrong on these guys before. They can be ratio kings and get you a couple wins. So what were your thoughts? Yeah, I was uh, I was semi in on on Winder. Um, the, the thing with Winder, like you said, is his strikeout rate isn't overwhelming. But uh, Twins are a good team. He has a chance to give you a boost in wins. Um, it's it's you know question mark I have is will he stick in the rotation? You know when Bailey Ober comes back, Chris Archer. Um, the Twins should keep him in the rotation. Uh, in the five games he started out of nine appearances this season. Um, He's uh, got a 171 ERA, 110 WHIP compared to 579 ERA, 150 WHIP as a reliever. So he's performing much better as a starter. It's probably a you know mentality thing or or something, or maybe it's just just some luck. But um, yeah, I was like semi in on him. Didn't get him, but I I definitely get why people added him. You know, two step against two semi decent, but not like super scary teams. So. Uh, we'll see how he does tonight against the, uh, I think it's Brewers tonight. Yeah. Brew crew tonight, White Sox, a struggling White Sox team on Sunday. So that'll be uh, interesting to see me eat my words on that one as well. Uh, Johnny VR, who I've always had a soft spot for in fantasy for his multi-position eligibility. The fact that if he gets to play, which he does, got some pop, got some speed. He wasn't horrible. It was not great by any means with the Cubs. Not going to sugarcoat it. Got uh, DFA'd. The Angels of all teams, of course, picked him up, and now he's leading off for the Halos and um, added in 53 leagues as high as $44. He did hit sixth in the last game, but he was leading off every game prior to that. Uh, hits in three games so far with Anaheim, even one stolen base, uh, playing third base every day with Rendon, down for quite a while. So what's your thoughts on Johnny VR, who's uh, with regular playing time, like I said, he's proven he can be very, very fantasy relevant. Yeah, I think I think people are kind of relying on that. I'm going to disagree and say he has been really horrible this year. Yeah. Um, Defensively, uh, especially. Defensively, really yeah, bad. yeah. Um, only a 2.3 percent barrel rate, negative launch angle this year. Uh, stat cap pays, excuse me, stat cap 
stat cast page is just ugly. He's one of the worst hitters in baseball by a lot of the metrics uh, that they measure. Um, even his sprint speed is only the 40th percentile. So I am not uh, in on Valar. would not be surprised if he's uh, DFA'd by the Angels very soon. So, uh, if, you know, and it's funny, too, because I picked him up in one of my <laughs> one of my leagues. You know, the position flexibility does is, is appealing. Tremendous. Yeah. You know, his past seasons are, you know, give you some hope. Um, and he and he can be an asset in speed, um, but you know it's how often is he going to get on base? And you know he's hitting just 179 through 28 bats with with Los Angeles thus far. So um, he was leading off, but he was dropped to sixth uh, in the order on Sunday. So um, yeah, it's not it's not looking promising if he's already being you know demoted because that leadoff spot looked looked awfully nice. Yep. But if he's hitting, you know. In a, Luis Renjifo, who, who actually I'm not disregarding Renjifo at all. He's actually been really good. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not optimistic about VR at all. Yeah, when I talked to with Bloomfield about VR last week, um, I was we were excited because of the leadoff spot. You're hitting in front of Trout, Notani, and Ward, and Walsh, all these guys that can just pound the ball and bring you in. It does definitely change hitting sixth, and uh, DFA would be entertaining. I did not get him anywhere this week, so I don't. I wouldn't feel as bad this time around because I already dropped him everywhere I had him this season. But um, it's just one of those guys, man. If he can get hot and, and can make things interesting for sure. Uh, Star Platinum in the chat has a question about this. Would you rather have VR against the Astros for the first half of this week in NFBC or Isaiah Kiner-Falefa against the Reds this week? And the Reds are not in Great American Small Park during Yankee Stadium. So Johnny VR or IKF for the first half of this week? Um. Give me IKF. <laughs> I'm, 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 le- I'm leaning Valar's that way. Too. Not good. Um, and I don't know, man. Like Houston's tough. You know, they've got uh, Garcia, Javier, uh, Framber Valdez going. Um, Cincinnati's Ashcraft, uh, minor, starters Castillo. aren't as scary, although Castillo, Luis Castillo, uh, faces them on Thursday. So I don't know. I just not totally off VR. Um, he was in my conditionals and of course I ended up with him in, in one league, but uh, I, now I'm like, after looking into him further, I was like, I shouldn't have even been. It so. goes, it, well, it goes back to what you were saying earlier in the show with your, with your, your little blog about your NFBC main event that you have to go super deep. There's so many ads. The next thing you know, you're like, I didn't plan on getting Johnny VR, but here we are. <laughs> the, well, and here's the, the thing. You need time to like really kind of go deep. And, you yeah. know, it's it's one thing to just put guys in your conditional bits or conditional bids just off name value and what you know of them from the past. But like, how are they doing now? Like, what's yeah. their last 14, last 21? That, you know, Rob Pietro talks about all the time. Yeah, so. I get so jealous of like Rob and those guys saying they spend like one to two hours on each team. I'm yeah. like, how do you have that much time? Like, and I get it. That's why they're so good. That's why they're good. You have the time to do that. There's a big difference, but I'm, I'm jealous of that kind of situation. I just don't have that kind of time. That would be yeah. amazing. Over the, last, over the last week, IKF's hitting 364 with a steal, five runs, a couple RBIs. So he's definitely in better form than VR. 100%. Uh, two players that were added in 45 leagues are uh, Andrew Heaney in 47, uh, Freddie Peralta in 45. Heaney as high as 40. Uh, Peralta as high as $160. I saw Vlad Settler was in on Freddie Peralta. Um, these guys are going to be coming back from the IL here after the All-Star break. I thought I thought Freddie was still a little ways away. Must be wrong. Um, were you in on any speculative bids on these guys that would be returning from the IL? I wasn't on Heaney, although I probably should have been. Um, he's, you know, his first three starts of the year were, were quite good. And, you know, there was a lot of talk during draft season that, you know, he might be this Robbie Gray, right? Um, team context certainly helps uh, being on the Dodgers. So, and they need the the starting pitching right now. So, um, you know, Heaney is kind of a, what I consider maybe a missed opportunity. Um, Peralta, I was in on multiple times this year. He was available in a couple of my leagues and I didn't bid enough either time. Um, tracking towards an early August return. Um, with a rehab assignment looking like after the all-star break. So, um, so yeah, it looks like, uh, you know, Freddie P could be, could be back quite soon. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm bummed that I missed out. Yeah, me too. I'm going to have to put whatever, or if he's still available anywhere, I'm going to have to get aggressive with him this weekend. Cause I have, I had him in a lot of leagues and I, I think I dropped him pretty much everywhere. Cause I 
I thought the timetable of return was going to be a lot longer. Early reports seemed a lot longer for Freddie, and that was just not going to be sustainable for what I needed. So we'll see. A couple others just I want to throw out there. You can give some quick answers if you want. Um, Matt Carpenter was added in 42 leagues as high as $90. Um, he does have like 10 home runs, which is nice, but it's Matt Carpenter. Are you are you believing enough to want to invest in Matt Carpenter right now? Um, not really, but uh, I mean, like you said, 10 homers in 26 games is pretty good. I mean, it's hard to overlook that. Um, one of my co-owners uh, that I manage a, a, an online championship team with mentioned him to me this year, and I just kind of brushed it off and then was like, yeah, maybe I should have uh, yeah. <laughs> bid on him a little bit more, uh, you know, multi-hit games, three straight, a couple homers. Um, yeah, I mean, he was a, a pretty good fantasy asset, um, you know, back in the day. I mean, looking at, you know, 2015 through 2018, I mean, 2018 at 36 homers, 81 RBIs, uh, 111 runs for St. Louis. So, um, you know, not sure he gets back to that level, but if he already has 10 homers in 26 games, uh, you know, being on the Yankees, who's not getting many contributions from Gallo, Aaron Judge is struggling right now. Um, you know, maybe he'll get a little bit more playing time than than I thought. Plus that short porch and right. I think his first like three or four home runs would, would not have been a home run in most ballparks. It was pretty, pretty yeah. entertaining to see. Uh, Jake Odorizzi had a big start over the weekend. You got guys like David Peterson. Brian Bayo is struggling for the Red Sox, but he's out there. Were there any of these like speculative uh, starting pitchers you were looking into this week? Or were there any other, let's just put it this way. Were there any other players that we have not discussed yet that you were in on this week that you were maybe more optimistic on than others? Not really. Cause it was a pretty quiet fab week. I think, I, th- I think yeah. after Pascantino mania, it was like pretty, True. pretty tempered uh, this week. Um, and really none of my leagues, like, like you, like you said, Peralta was somebody I really went hard after uh, a couple times before um, Danny Jansen wasn't available in any of my leagues. He's back for the Jays. Um, but uh, um Steven Matz was somebody I actually uh, added. You never have enough starting pitching in the main event. So he was somebody I picked up for cheap. Um, And a couple weeks ago, that was Nick Lodolo before he got back. So, um, so yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. Um, uh, Alexis Diaz was somebody I was in on for the Reds. Uh, He's been their best reliever by far this season. And, um, you know, could that lead to save opportunities down the road? Possibly. Um, willing to spend a couple bucks to find out because even if he's not getting saves, he's been really good. Yeah, and, I, uh, I, I see yeah. on this uh, fancy chart on Rotowire, he is the uh, closer, technically, very low security, but uh, he is the closer for the Reds. Um, yeah, I've I got was... him as, in a committee with Strickland. So a uh, little asterisk means uh, it's a committee, but uh, yeah. Okay. Um, see, you could see him. He's my favorite option for saves the rest of the season because I don't expect Strickland to be very good. So yeah, I've done I've done the Strickland dance as a Giants fan, so I know where this one goes. Eventually, he might have some run there, but it'll end in a blaze of glory at some point in time. Yeah. Um, before we head on out, I did want to ask you. I have your closers chart up. Is there any sneaky guys that people should like Alexis Diaz is potentially one? Are there any guys that? Maybe people should be speculating on now that'll be cheap compared to waiting and spending a ton of money. Um, big one is for me right now is Andres Munoz of the Mariners. Love him. He's just been absolutely dominant past yeah. month, like ridiculously good. Um, since June 13th, 13 and a third innings, 28 strikeouts, three walks, uh, no runs, 060 whip. Um, and, you know, Mariners are surging. Obviously, they have uh, Paul Sewald, Diego Castillo, both really good. Uh, plenty of uh, ninth inning experience. But, man, Munoz has just been insanely good. Um, another one I would look out for is uh, Kyle Finnegan. Uh, Tanner, Tanner Rainey's kind of been struggling a little bit. Um, and then Garrett Whitlock um, yep. was a great reliever last year, uh, coming back from the IL soon. And... You know, uh, Tanner Houck's been really good in the closer role. It seems like he's kind of established himself in that role. But, uh, you know, maybe Whitlock uh, gets a few saves like he did last year. Um, so Whitlock's somebody I actually picked up in the main event this past week. I like Whitlock a lot. I actually told uh, – somebody asked me on Twitter, they're in a deep, like, 16, 18-team league. 
and Whitlock was one of like the five guys you mentioned. Like, which one would you take? And they said, "Someone, I'll take Whitlock." And they said, "Why?" It's exactly what you were saying that uh, he he could be like the next Seawald, where he goes and gets two innings here and runs into a save, gets some wins, like gets you good ratios, racks up some strikeouts. He's got a lot of potential in in that role, especially as the season goes on. We talk about getting middle relievers and different things because the pitching just gets so bad. And like you mentioned, adding guys early. Some guy, sometimes it's just good to add like a, a Whitlock to fill in for those weeks where it's like, I really don't want to pitch these guys, but I want to keep them for next week's matchup type scenario. And that's definitely something to have a guy like Whitlock for. Um, in the chat, Star Platinum mentions, check out Nick Martinez getting three inning saves. Do you have anything on that that interests you? Because Taylor Rogers, awesome this year, has taken a few steps back of late, but it, it feels like it's still his gig. Yeah, I agree. Um yeah, Rodgers has been kind of iffy as of late, and and that's benefited Nick Martinez, who's uh, um, got a I think a three, three inning saves uh, on the season. So, um, you know, could he be the next man up if if Rodgers continues to struggle? Sure, but I think they like him kind of in that multi inning role. And also, Robert Suarez is on his way back from his. Uh, uh, knee surgery that he had uh, last early last month. Uh, he recently threw a bullpen and um, was a closer in Japan last year. So um, I would think when he's back, he's probably kind of jumps Martinez in that uh, hierarchy in San Diego. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Ryan, we're going to wrap things up there. As always, it is an absolute pleasure chatting with you on the show and off the show. Great human being over here. Uh, before we take off, uh, remind everybody where they can find you, your work at Rotowire, your poker blog, all the good stuff. So uh, plug, plug, plug away. Yep, at Ryan Roof on Twitter, R-U-F-E. Find my work at Rotowire, um, Closer Grid, Closer Encounters. It's my weekly uh, article focusing on closers. Um, next week, I'll be looking at uh, some some closer in waitings who could potentially benefit from uh, change roles with uh, trade deadline coming up. So uh, look out for that. And then, uh, yeah, poker is just a passion of mine. I'm sure many of you list, your listeners uh, play as well. Uh, and my blog is roofbertpoker.blogspot.com. Roofbert was my uh, online screen, screen name back in the day. Uh, nice. So R-U-F-E-B-E-R-T poker.blogspot.com. I was wondering where that came from. I wasn't going to ask, but I was wondering. So that explains yeah. that one. I love it. Was it. My, love it was it. my like AOL screen name back in the day. <laughs> yeah, man. That's how you know we're old is we have AOL. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's probably like, at least half the listeners have like no clue what our yeah, AOL yeah. is. What's an OE message? What is that? Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. It just brings back so many memories right now. I don't even want to go yeah. into that. But uh, yeah, fun times. Fun times is always my friend. Look forward to doing it again with you sometime. Thanks for having me. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 488, recapping the week 15 fab and much, much more with our friend Ryan Roof. Catch you guys later. Yeah.